2: I get it again you know like when I first did a 3000 theater, I nearly passed out with the nerves going on but now I can't wait to see 3000 theaters because they're amazing or like when I did my first tv thing I was just beside myself I actually the only time I've done it and I froze on stage and couldn't remember my words was that night so there's still that still that aspect but now I've done that now I won't be scared next time so it's just those sort of hurdles
0: those first times hello and welcome back to another episode of balancing acts in this conversation i chat with stand-up comedian kelly convy Perfect. Hi, this is Steve Whiteley, comedian, actor, filmmaker and writer, all-round ADHD creative. And welcome to my new podcast, Balancing Acts, where I talk to an array of creatives ranging from comedians, actors, directors, all sorts. And we talk about how they find a sense of balance or not between their creative lives and their everyday lives and how that has an impact on their mental health and beyond. Balancing Acts is now made in association with The Comedy Crowd, who are a website and community that support independent comedy creators such as myself. I have a Comedy Crowd short, which is a, a two-minute video, one of my characters, on their website. They showcase the best new videos on Comedy Crowd TV, which is comedycrowdtv.com, and across media platforms, so do go and check them out. Kelly was voted by the Metro as one of nine hilarious women to look out for in 2017. She's a finalist in the South Coast Comedian of the Year and So You Think You're Funny competitions. She supported Russell Kane, Alan Carr and most recently Adam Hills on tour. This was a great conversation. We dived in deep on loads of stand-up related Uh, subjects obviously we talked about the struggles of labeling yourself a comedian and uh, kelly talked about why why no one needs to know her opinion on anything unless it's funny and how publishing her opinions on brexit made her realize that actually maybe keeping quiet on social media about about her opinions was better and that um, being too forthright is career suicide, in her opinion, when you're at an early stage in your stand-up career. She then goes on to explain how she observed when she was touring with more of these well-known comedians that they were able to talk about what they wanted once they built up their own brand and um, she explains why that's the case. Kelly also talks about the challenges she faced when moving up from open mic gigs to paid spots and then onto higher profile gigs and being compared to more established and experienced comedians, while comparing herself to them and also her peers and, and the pressure that came with that. We talk about how performing in market towns for older demographics made her realize that if she wanted to be a countrywide comic in the mainstream, then she needed to appeal to a wider audience and then how that. How that changed her style of performance she talks about how she purposely doesn't wear anything to sexualize herself to the audience and why she's okay with that she describes her former career as a tv exec and then working in the travel industry and how getting fired from her job led to her committing to stand up and gigging every night for the first six months which eventually led to her getting signed to off the curb the agents that represent her now kelly talks about her rapid progression from doing open mic gigs to then within six months performing 30-minute sets which led to a bout of acute anxiety. She explains why as a creative, you know, it's so important to to really be professional and have a plan of, of how you're going to progress your career and realizing that you are your own commodity or product. She talks about why she doesn't like Edinburgh Fringe Festival and feels that it isn't necessarily the right platform for her comedy. Why it's so important to show people why and how something is funny uh, in terms of your material. She talks about her approach to writing new material and how she prefers to not write rather than try and force something out and how she got to a point where she was able to find her own rhythm in terms of writing new material. There was loads here. It was a really good conversation. And obviously you'll hear from the audio. We we did this over Zoom, obviously, because of social distancing and that. Got around with the times. So there's a slight difference in audio ambience but I'm sure you're going to enjoy this conversation. So over to Kelly. Perfect. So how, how are you doing in uh, in quarantine?
2: Mm, yeah, fine. Uh, just been sort of doing housework and stuff. I haven't really done any comedy. Yeah. Um, I don't know if it's just because I'm just not in the mood or I don't see any point. Or, I don't know. But um been doing lots of DIY, which is yeah. always productive. Um but yeah, I suppose it's just adjusting now and then and then settling into the next few months. Um and yeah, getting my head around that. I'm not really I've been approached to do a few, you know, gigs online, especially with great exposure.
1: <laughs>
2: um and I just said no. I, I just think that I understand that people are still trying to earn some money but then you know, I me standing in my kitchen doing stand-up to an empty room—it's just, it just fills me with dread, to be honest.
0: Yeah, it's a weird one with no, with no laughter. It's just like, where are you getting yeah.
2: from Yeah, exactly. And I do know that you know, I know a lot of people are trying to, you know, it's tough for them, and I, I do understand that you got to just do what you can. But I just think sometimes putting out stuff that shit. Is worse. Like someone went live the other day. I can't remember who it was, but it was just on my thing, and it was just like they're trying to adjust their microphone after going live. And yeah, I think I think that people are feeling like they have to be producing content, and I just don't. I don't think you do.
0: I know. I'm because I'm like caught in two minds. Like I've been off, not off social media, but I've taken a massive step back lately, just because I've been working on longer form projects that I'm writing. And so I just kind of like want to just be in my own little zone. Yeah. But, at, you know, at the moment, obviously I'm checking back in and you're just seeing what's going on and everyone is, is posting stuff and there is part of you that thinks, oh, should I not be creating content at this time when, you know, everyone else is? And, you know, just to, you know, just to remind people you're out there and also just to be creative as well.
2: Yeah. I, I, I do. There's a part of me, obviously, I have this sort of guilt that I'm carrying that I'm not like, I'm not doing anything. And I think that's the nature of what we do. And when we first start is like, you just do any gig anywhere, at any time. Yeah. And like, then it all stops. And then you feel like, not a failure, but almost that you're not putting anything into to going forward with this. Um, but I mean, I just it's I think everyone's in the same boat and and the pressure to put out content, like I've been thinking of ideas that that I can you know film over time and put mm-hmm. something decent out, you know, like yeah. something that's not just fucking me sat in my kitchen like I don't know, so you know I've just had like little ideas of you know. Getting dressed up for dinner and having like a, you know, sort of ball gown on or something like that. But like filming it properly. Yeah. You know, I, I think that, I think everyone's feeling in the rush to stick something out there. And I get it. Like, it, we, you know, we already had this plan. If, if you already got something going, uh, you, you're so right to keep it going. But I think everyone's suddenly trying to set something up.
1: Yeah. Yeah. You know
2: and um and, and i think that i don't i don't know i'm not the fun of all knowledge but i just i i personally feel like i just don't i'm not going to start suddenly creating these um live streams you know i'm not i'm not djz i'm not going to be starting do doing you know like what? Something, you know, i only came stream.
0: across that yesterday oh my Bloody god amazing. what a legend
2: yeah 24 hours he did
0: 24 hour set just playing old school bangers do you know what's so funny i start scrolling through the contents then you've got like obviously like newbies or not newbies but like younger generations going oh my god he's the best edm dj out there and it's like mate, <laughs> he's a bloody garage dj and he's been doing it for years
2: yeah, yeah, he's old school man. Yeah, he is, he is.
0: But I think you're right. though. I think you just got to listen to your like your gut or your intuition. But I feel like you've always been really good at um, like all the, the brand branding side of things. Like how, from like the get go, were you always very clear in terms of like how you wanted to brand yourself as a comedian, um... or what your brand was, or was that sort of did that develop as you developed your 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 material and as, as a comedian?
2: Yeah, I think that definitely develops and still continues to develop because, I mean, when we first met, I was doing like open mics and single, You know, all my material was about like, woe betide me, I, I can't find a man. Um, and shocker, that is not great branding. Um, <laughs> it's not the most appealing. Um, and then it evolved and, and I've improved as a comedian and I learned my craft a lot more because I think that is something that you can't just be good at it from the off. Like you need to learn and understand what you're trying to say. And then when I, you know, got in a relationship, I, I, I think that that, that evened me out as a person, but also evened out my, my viewpoint and where I'm coming from with a lot of my jokes. Okay. So I think that what I say on stage will always reflect on my social media because it's always about me. But in terms of the branding, I, I think I've always kind of understood that less is more, and um, just I, I think that what you what what do you want out of this? Like what do you as the like when I'm online and I'm seeing things on Facebook and stuff do I want people to see me as that? I think a, a massive, I mean, it's not really about comedy, but a massive lesson for me was when Brexit first started happening.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: And I and I, and I I had quite a strong opinion about Remaining. Um, and I, for the first and only time, I started putting my opinion online. And what that did was, um, it just threw out all the people from Kent, all my family members, all friends from home who are, uh, against what I was saying or saying things. And I realized that um, I'm, this is not my place in my opinion. Like, I and, and think that's the downfall of social media because I feel like everyone feels the need to sort of express their opinion. I'm just there just to put out my gigs, you know. And I learned, I learned to just keep my mouth shut online actually. So if you were to look at a timeline of my social media, it used to be bombardment of information and, and all of this stuff. And now it's, it's fear and far between really. Um, and I, I learned that lesson because especially as a comedian, as a comedian. Um,
0: Do you find it hard to say that? Do you find it hard to describe yourself as a comedian? Uh,
2: I don't find it hard, but I, I think that there's not any way of saying it without sounding like you're being a bit pompous
1: yeah i know i mean yeah, as, a as a
2: naturally very professionally funny person <laughs> yeah. um and my opinion on this is and uh, i think that you know i think i don't know i think it's almost like it sounds like it gives you this um uh, sort of otherworldly uh, opinions on things when actually we're probably you know probably the most sort of lost people in the world so um i don't i don't feel like um and i know a lot of people go down that route but for me i feel comedy is escapism Mm. and um no one needs to know my opinion on on anything um unless it's funny yeah
1: yeah yeah yeah
0: i think that's I mean, everyone's got their own view on it. And I mean, that's the great thing, isn't it, about comedy? Everyone's got their own individual approach to it. Some people use it as a platform to get their opinions out. But I think, at the end of the day, the rule is: as long as it's funny, just make it funny, like rather than
2: preaching. Yeah. Well, I think if you if you're always constantly turning out your opinion and your political views and all of that stuff, um, it can completely mar and take away from from your joke, mm-hmm. like like i'm not there as a politician i'm not there like i i for example i mean i think i think Boris has done a great job <laughs> during this whole coronavirus and i and i you know am i going to put that online absolutely not because because there are, there it's that's the whole point of politics that other people would disagree with that and um as soon as i put that up there that can change the perspective of, of my fans, in 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 air quotes, you know. And then all of a sudden they, they, they don't see my point of view anymore. It's a really interesting thing like sort of touring uh, with well-known names and being tour support. And um, they've built their brand and it's established um, and then they can go on to talk about what they want uh, because people know that even if it's an opinion that is opposing to theirs, they know the personality of that person enough to understand where that's coming from. And I don't command that sort of understanding yet. I'm nowhere near that. I'm years ten years away from that. Yeah. So for me to start churching up on, on online and, and and uh you know, giving my opinion out like it's like it's valuable to someone is is just it's like career suicide, I think, you know. And you look at the likes of like, uh, I think that's hard to say it to me. they are like, yeah, but you
1: know,
2: Romesh and that and like Russell Kane, they're all doing like, like, cause it's Russell Kane. <laughs> you know, Russell Kane can go live and talk about whatever he likes. Cause he's done 18 years of, of hard graft to be able to do that. I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna go online and start, I mean, what am I gonna do? Go live and show you how I mop my floor? <laughs> I mean, like my house, my housewife skills, you know, Um, but I think it's all relative and I think it's all, it's all um, uh, common sense and like being honest with yourself, you know, I think there's a, there's a real jump up when you're talking about comedy of like going from open mics to then getting paid on the circuit to then sort of doing a bit more of the higher profile stuff. But the problem is, is when you make those jumps, you are then automatically compared to the people on that level mm-hmm. by yourself and and your peers. And that's, there's no way that I am in any way near the same ballpark as the people that I'm I'm on a bill with.
0: Do you find do you find yourself feeling under pressure when you, because obviously you've done tour support with the likes of Russell Kane? Um, and then more recently, I think Adam Hills, didn't you? been supporting.
2: Yeah, Alan, Yeah, and Alan and Carr.
0: Um, yeah, which is amazing. Yeah. A- amazing opportunities. Have Did you find yourself feeling under pressure opening for those guys, or were you just like, I'm just going to go out and do my thing?
2: I think the first one on each one, I felt pressure. And then um, they're so incredible incredibly skilled, but incredibly wonderful people that I never felt inferior or imposter or anything like that. Never really feel that. It's just more about proving myself. But every one of those gigs are different. Like Russell Kane's audience is different to Alan Carr's, to Adam Hills. And and particularly with um, Adam Hills and Alan, they were doing work in progress shows in tiny little towns that are like, you'd never heard of before, you know, Market trading, like Bakewell, Leek. Love it there. These faces are just, you know, I mean, who doesn't love Leek? That's, I mean, and and they're weird. That's like, that, that, go in there. It, if you can make those people laugh, you can make anyone laugh because it's a very, um, they're all very similar people, they're all a bit older demographic they're they're very white right they're very of one sort of opinion um, so did you find you know, that,
0: did you find performing at those kind of um those towns or venues did that inform the material that you wrote for for gigs going forward for similar for similar gigs
2: yeah massive massive lesson learned that you if you want to be a countrywide you know, comic that like is in the mainstream and, and then selling out rooms like that, you, you need to appeal to a wider audience. doesn't mean that you change your opinions or change what you're saying. It's just how you say it. Mm -hmm. And I feel like I've become a softer comedian as I've gone forward. Um, whereas when I first started out, I was quite aggressive, Uh, more just, Probably because of my nerves, but I felt that the the rooms that I was doing, uh, that worked better. And if you go and do like a rough gig, like in a working man's club, and it is rough when you walk in, I still have that on the back burner. But if you're going into a market town in the whitest part of, of, of England, where they're all, you know, over the age of 60, going in and walking in and being all like what <laughs> it's, not, <laughs> it's not gonna work so you have to kind of you have to i always say that like because a lot of uh, people say because i have to dress a certain way when i go on stage i have to desexualize myself i have to wear something that's like loose and fitting.
1: But you didn't used um, to did you You have you changed no, that
2: big time yeah. i have to wear dungarees or a very flowing skirt and dress because what I've noticed is that if I wear anything that's sexualized, it it really takes a very long time for the audience to warm to me.
1: Wow, no matter, interesting.
2: It, it's just, but like someone said to me, like a bit more of a feminist kind of, um, just like, doesn't that bother you? That shouldn't you shouldn't have to change the way that you dress when you go on the stage. Mm. Of course you do. Of course you do. You you can't change human nature.
1: Mm. It's,
2: so, as much as it's shit and I want to wear what I want to wear, um, I want to do well at my job. Mm. It's the same as a plumber turning up in a phone. It, it's yeah. inappropriate. And, and, and actually, what happens when you walk out on stage is that immediately, before you've said anything, before you've got to the microphone, they have judged you on the way that you look. So, you either play ball or you struggle. Mm. Um, and I, and I, and I feel like, you know, I was on with Josh Jones, um, up in, um, uh, uh Josh, uh, yeah, Josh uh, up in, um, Nottingham and I'd packed badly. I don't know why, but I, it was too a sort of thing. And, um, on the Friday night, great. And I was in and then I was like, oh no, I've only got this to wear tonight. And he was like, what's wrong with that? And then it's like, guaranteed. It, it will be a tougher night for me tonight he's like oh that was stupid And it was just very tight bit like skinny jeans and a, like a little top but it was too revealing and uh i've come off from the first section and he went that's hell i can't believe it and he saw it from one night to the next but that's that's just um that's the game you know if you walk out on the stage look at look at all the big names like lee evans and stuff like you know he had his suits so he would sweat through those suits but it was because he was performing and, and and was the star of the show and wanted to show himself in a certain way um catherine ryan i mean catherine ryan that's stunning on stage she's earned that yeah but she she uh yeah, it, it 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 all of the all of the things, the way that you approach the gig, the first ten seconds that you're on the stage, will set the tone going forward, big time.
0: So do you, in terms of your persona, do you is your persona you 100%? You think, or have you said more of a heightened version of you as is? You know, I guess that's running theme of the majority of comedians. It's very rare for people to just be 100% themselves on the stage.
2: No, I don't think. I think it's very much me. I think like some comedians you will meet, and they'll will be a completely different person on and off the stage. Yeah. Uh, you,
1: know,
2: you know, very like, you know, can't make eye contact, very nervous yeah, 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 a person yeah, yeah. on off the stage. And they will on and they're like, "Good evening." <laughs> you're like, "What the hell happened there?" Um. So I'm very much the person I am on stage, but I would say that I am the person I am plus adrenaline.
0: Yeah. Okay. Yeah, that makes sense.
2: So, um, and, and, and also just on the basis of, like I said, before the room and stuff, you know, if I, if they're all being like heckling and stuff, yeah, I'll definitely, I'll definitely be more my original roots of like Chatham Kent person.
1: Yeah.
2: Um, or if I go to Tunbridge Wells, I might be a little bit more East Dulwich like I am now. Uh, okay. Know, so
1: okay. That's
2: it depends if I'm buying Brioche or Hovis. Really. <laughs> <laughs>
0: So, like, just take a step back before you got into stand up. You you, were working in TV,
2: I worked in television for yeah, about seven years. Yeah, Um, what what were you doing? TV shows, okay. Um, so I was acquisitions, global acquisitions for for Fox, um, international channels. Um, I started out as a PA and then just progressed through the the ranks, sort of thing. Um, so I was doing that for about seven years and then, um, I left TV and I did a travel job for like uh, a year for Expedia and I traveled the UK and I went to a different place every week with my bulldog, Nelson. He's Big up, Nelson. Today. Big up. Yeah.
0: He's he's actually been the one, away. he's been the one consistent theme for running for your social media right from the off.
2: That, that's true. That's very
0: much part of the Kelly branding.
2: Yeah, he is. He is. He is my baba. He is my bubba. He um, so yeah, me and Nelson went, went around the country for a year and then, uh, and then, and then I started to do like my own blog when that finished, cause it was only every year, okay. um, dating, dating with your dog, okay. uh, did about three blogs and, uh, uh, but it made people laugh and that was kind of set the little seed um and then i started doing a wine job for the international wine and spirits competition okay i was doing that for 6 months and i got fired for getting paralytic drunk in, in Düsseldorf at a conference called Provine.
1: okay
2: um and i got i got fired from that job and on the same day that i had my third stand up gig so i got fired got really drunk went to go and do my third ever stand up gig yeah and um, made a fool out myself at the Cavs. And uh, uh, I woke up the next morning and just thought, what are you doing? You've found something you really loved and you've you've just got fired for being drunk all the time. Um, And then that totally changed my opinion of sort of stand-up Well, it had to, because I didn't have a job or anything else to do. So I just really applied myself, took it very seriously. I wrote a different five minutes every, every gig.
1: Yeah, I remember ridiculous. you saying that. I was like,
2: what? <laughs> yeah, not for long. I, that didn't last long. And then, um, uh, and then yeah, just applied myself. I just gigged every single night for about six months. And then, um, it was in So You Think You're Funny and all that jazz. And then, um, Kerb signed me after a year of doing stand-up.
0: Yeah, it was like rapid trajectory. Um, Yeah, it was amazing. Like, like it's just an example of someone. I think it's just you just focus right from the off. Like you just kind of you had a goal, you knew what you wanted, and you just went for it.
2: Yeah, I think so. I mean, I didn't. I didn't have much choice either. I think that, like, obviously, I. I found what I wanted to do is the first second I walked on stage because so I'd never been on stage before in my life. Had you never performed
0: that. in any shape before? Really? Okay.
2: No, 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 right. no drama school or, uh, up courses here. I'd never done anything on stage. Um, and as soon as I went up there and I started, I went, Oh my God, this is exactly what I'm meant to be doing. Um, and so I just, just really hunkered down and I just really focused and I, I just really went for it. And luckily for me, I think that it was, a very, I think this is the best time to be a female in comedy. Um, I think that agents were looking to get more women on their books. Um, it I was right time, right time, right place. Um, my, my agent C as a whole off the curb are, are they couldn't be more suited to me if, you know, I mean, the actor, they have also the agents, Like my agent's like a proper little geezer. Right.
1: Um,
2: and, uh, it all works really well and it all, it all worked perfectly. It was like, Oh, I'm home. Okay, great. Um, th- but that said, I mean, it was, it was, uh, yeah, I sort of gave me severe anxiety. Um, did it and yeah. What I aspects know, of it? Well, I didn't know that it was anxiety, to be honest. I started nearly passing out, <laughs> um, and I went to the doctors, and he was like, uh, "Yeah, you've got acute anxiety." I was all like, "Oh, okay." Um, I, I, I think it was just the—I mean, you've—you've you've you know—and—and and going from that to getting signed to like the biggest agent, and like, whoa, okay. I'm doing like 300 seaters. And they were like, right, we need to do half an hour. I didn't have half an hour. Uh, I was like, yeah, of course I've got half an hour. I can do half an hour. And, you know, going up there in my infancy of like, like not being skilled enough to be playing those rooms. And I remember when when I first got signed, I got sent to, uh, it was somewhere on the coast and uh, it was like a massive Christmas day. I hadn't got signed yet, they started talking to me in September, and this was the December, and they signed me in the March, but this this gig, um, it's a tough gig, I know now anyway, there's like 500 people in this room, and it was a Christmas day, so everyone was drunk, and I went up, and as I was walking up to the stage, some woman was so drunk, she pulled her, the whole table that she was sitting on, over, everything. But because I was so new and inexperienced, I just went up and ignored that that had happened, and that she was getting accosted out by security, and just went into my set. And I'm pretty sure it started out with like seven minutes on masturbation or something ridiculous like that. <laughs> and you know, it was that. It was sort of like having to run before I could walk. And, um, and, 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 I'm glad because it was like a crash course. And now three years down the line, I don't really, there's not really a room that particularly scares me. Um, because I had to sort of just get on with it. Mm-hmm. And like, I've learned just really, really quickly and really, you know, and some, it's really tough situation. Yeah, that was thirty minutes of me standing there, dying on my ass because I hadn't acknowledged the fight that was going on in the room, and then just verbatim the went on with my set just like and and it was all this crude stuff 'cause all of a lot of my early days stuff was quite crude and and they were all just sitting there with their like forks hanging out of their mouths, just to like huh? what is this girl doing <laughs> like, why is she and you know and and just things like that i think I think that that was. It was just you've got to do this now, Mm -hmm. Um, and um, yeah, it's in the long run it has really benefited me because I still do get like you know certain things like you know the the next step every time there's the next step I get I get it again you know like when I first did a three thousand seater I nearly passed out with the nerves going on but now I can't wait to see 3,000 theaters because they're amazing. Or like when I did my first TV thing, I was just beside myself. I actually, the only time I've done it and I froze on stage and couldn't remember my words was that night. So there's still that, still that aspect, but now I've done that, now I won't be scared next time. So it's just those sort of hurdles, those first times, and then you're done. And then it's like, oh, it wasn't so bad after all. Uh, and carry so,
0: on. So, do you have anything that you put in place to like counteract when you get feelings of anxiousness or anxiety? Do you, do you meditate, or is there anything particular that you do? Think, right, I can. have oh, got those feelings coming on. I need to. I need to like deal with this.
2: Um, I mean, to be honest, I, when I went to the doctor, he stuck me on some like and stuff, okay. and that really helped. So I took that every day. I take that every day. Uh, So that really helps. Um, I'm very much of the, I have a go at myself and I just sort of slap myself around the face and just be like, get a grip, get on with it. Probably not the best advice for people that are suffering with anxiety. Um, It's all something that's quite new to me. Never really had that. Uh, I mean, say new, I mean, it's been a few years now, but I, I don't know, it's something that I've never really had before, didn't even know what it was when I first got it, I just thought I was getting dizzy and stuff. and um, and so I I don't do I, I mean I'd be lying to say that I do any meditation or anything that's actually productive to help him with it. I take a tablet in the morning and slap myself in the gets any bad. Yeah. Probably not the best advice. That's
0: so. <laughs> yeah, whatever's working for you, I guess. So I was working for you. Perfect. Do you, um, have you developed a lot of friendships through comedy um, since you started? Like, do you find there's a support system in place or you've, because obviously you've got your own crew of mates, you've had different careers and whatnot before you got into comedy. So you've got your own circle of friends. Do you sort of very much, you like, okay, these are my circle of friends and then this is my career. Or have you found that you've developed lots of friendships through comedy? And if so, has it been, has that been helpful and, and like supportive for you? Because obviously other people can relate to you when you're talking about situations um, when you're talking about getting anxiety performance anxiety that type of thing oh yeah yeah i, I suffer from that as well mm. yeah what's your what's your take on that
2: um i think i've definitely made a lot of uh friends and, and and lots of relationships with people that i really enjoy being around and i really like i do think that there's a much closer knit sort of uh click within comedy that i'm not really part of i think that's to do with the fact that a lot of these people have just done it straight from uni or the drama schools or wherever uh it's the only thing they've ever known whereas i've i've had a very corporate uh professional life and then this has happened later in my life so um you know i feel like probably don't have that connection that some people do where you know like you can see it up in edinburgh where people mm. are very t- tight-knit groups and um i'm definitely on the outskirts of that not that that's not that i don't i, I don't think there's anyone in comedy that i don't get on with but you know everyone's a really nice person but i i think that that can be an issue when you first start out i remember when i first started that within the within the sort of year groups of people you know they they do have their little insular unit and you can feel like you're almost back at school again yeah you know when you're like well if i'm not part of the popular group then i'm not going to get on all right so that's bullshit. you know i think in in this this is my job and and even in this corona stuff like you know it, this is my job like mm. this isn't um, what do you call it? I don't. I don't know how to describe it, but I think that I think it's very hard for people outside of this to understand that this isn't just a jolly, mm-hmm. and I'm not just doing this for fun. Yeah. Like this is my job, and I take it very seriously. So I'm not in it for anything other than to get on and do my job. And I, I'm not the sort of comedian that's going to go on, on my night off and go and watch comedy night. Okay. Because I don't like comedy but i have a life Mm. and i have i have my fiance and a house and a dog to look after I'm very much a homing bird and i like so i think because i've had that corporate jobs and all that stuff before yeah i separate it completely whereas some people it is their life and that's great And, and and more for them like but i take it seriously to the point where I'm like, right, this is what I need to do. This is where I need to go. This is the plan and this is how we're going to go forward. Um, uh, rather than, I don't know, indulging in Facebook groups and the like, yeah. <laughs> I, I'm careful to say that cause I don't want to like anyone that enjoys doing all of that commenting and all that stuff and, you know, and, and being in those little tickets like, that's great. I'm not, I'm not downplaying that, mm. but. Um, there is a reason why I'm not
0: part of those things. Yeah, And I think also going back to what you're saying about having a corporate career before there's, I think there's massive advantages to that because I'm similar to you and I've had different, you know, I've done different jobs and had careers prior to getting into all this and I think it can help in so many ways because because you've had that experience of whether it was an office job or being in a professional environment, you perhaps transfer that mindset to your to your comedy career so it's not all just it's not all just fun and games and it's not just juggling balls um you know it's yeah. it's it's your it's your work so but sometimes yeah, i don't no, know about no. you sometimes like oh sometimes there's pros and cons to that though because sometimes i'm too just like focused and sometimes you think oh you just need to step back and just like you know in, in, enjoy the process and not just think oh what's the, what's the next goal
2: yeah, I think that it's a balance of that. But I, I do think that um, the curse of the creative and the person that kind of is creative first and, and commercial second is that they can miss the opportunities that are there for them in terms of progressing in, in, in their career and sort of seeing that those opportunities and how you conduct yourself you know how you how you present yourself, how you conduct yourself, how you're going to drive this forward. How you you are your business, you are your commodity. How are you going to grow that and make it? You know, when I was talking about the outfit thing earlier, that's not that's, that that wasn't just like oh I'll just wear that. I've tried loads of things, glasses off, glasses on, hair up, hair down, all this stuff because you you you're the person that needs to make the formula work. And you're the person that needs to present it to, to people. So I I do feel quite fortunate in the fact that I have had that schooling of, of commercial, uh, you know, corporate experience and, and particularly in the industry that I want to be in, in the end, it's obviously television. Cause it always amazes me. Like, like when people say, uh, they give you the call sheet and it's like two hours before, well, you know what comedians are like, what? Like, 'Cause they're always late, aren't they? They never turn up. And it always amazes me when you're sat in a in a green room and it's like five minutes to start and you're going, Oh, if you want I can go on first because that person's not here And they're like, Oh no, it's just the way that comedians are. Oh like, really? I remember phoning up a, a venue. I wasn't gonna be late, but I was going I was stuck in a bit of traffic. And I phoned her. I said, oh, look, "I'm not going to be late, but I'm going to be close to the start time. So just, I don't want you panicking." She was like, "In honestly, in like the 10-15 years I've been doing this job, not one person has ever called." And I was like,
1: "What? <laughs>
2: how is this? How is this possible?" And I think that so, but I just think that's a creative mind, mm. you know. And I definitely have a creative mind, but I always have a business mind, and I think that those two things can work alongside each other, but they're definitely not something that are the same.
0: No, you've got to, some people are blessed and they're just automatically able to be able to balance those two mindsets together. But for others, like for me, it took a while to get to a point where I was like, okay, how can I integrate them both and figure out, like, like you said, you're your own business. How can you, how can you apply that to yourself? Like if you've got an entrepreneurial side to you or just like, yeah, we have you're like that way inclined business wise, how can you apply that to yourself? It's quite a weird thing when you think about it. It's like it's one thing like applying it to a business, right? This is my product, this is my service, but you're your own product. So like mm-hmm. you've you've got to like you know, step inside your own head, do you know what I mean, and think about and, and then also look at yourself from a n from an outsider's perspective. How do people how am I viewed? You know?
2: Yeah, yeah, most definitely. I think that like you are a commodity and you need to almost be looking at yourself in a third person at all times when you post that, how's that going to affect you? What, what does that say about you? I, you know, I mean, like on my Facebook my Facebook memories came up the other day and I don't know, about six years ago, I posted a seven minute long Snapchat video of my Halloween. What was I thinking? <laughs> like, like, what was it? But, but because I didn't have that high now I'm, you know, I'm not going to be posting things like that. You know, it it's, it's, um it annoys people. It annoys people, and I don't want to annoy people. I want to entertain them, and I think less is more sometimes.
1: Yeah.
0: So going back to what you say about you just you briefly touched upon Edinburgh. How was your? Because you did your debut hour last year. How How was that experience for you?
2: I fucking hated it, mate. Did you? Well, <laughs> so, you know, you know, I don't like. Sorry to say, I. I um, no, no, it's fine. You You're know, just going. You know, you know, I don't like Edinburgh. Um, I've never liked Edinburgh. Um, sorry, fringe. Um, but, um, I, I don't, I don't like it out there. I don't like any of it. Um, I don't feel like the audiences are reflective of the general public of the the people that I see for the 11 months of the year. It's not just the people, but it's the environments, the way that they're, they're they're stood out in the rain and then they're hoarded into these boiling rooms. Uh, there's nothing showbiz about it. I, I, and like, I know that I'm probably like, t- it's like a priest standing on a Bible right now. But I just don't really see the point of Edinburgh. I don't really see the, I not the point. That's not the right thing to say. I personally don't feel like I benefit from Edinburgh whatsoever. Um, I feel like um, it's a long month. I don't feel like. a comedian when i'm there i find it quite detrimental to the development of my material Um, in what way well like for my debut um i had been on tour with alan Carr for like a year and a half before that and had the best time of my life uh but a that's representative of the general public um you know what you're doing as a comedian as a professional comedian every night of the week you're doing at least 150 to 200 300 seaters 400 seaters right that's your job 11 months of the year um and then i've and also i've done some tour with Russell Kane, and i developed some jokes in those rooms so over time those jokes have built and become some of my biggest jokes then you put it in a boiling hot room where I had sweat in my eyes paying an absolute fortune for, uh, with a tech that couldn't even start my microphone. That's, 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 and this isn't
0: a, this is in a decent venue, right?
2: This, yeah, this is not free fringe. It's not free fringe. No, it was certainly not free fringe. And I'm doing a joke. For example, one of my jokes um, and developed sort of with Alan is about getting the audience to do almost like a, um, um auction style run up of who's got the most longest relationship in the room mm-hmm. to lead to my punchline, and you go right five years, ten years, eight years, but okay, like no, you go around the room. How do you do that with eight people and five of them in the same family? you know <laughs> that whole section of like it's just gone mm. um, and that's I don't know like it always sounds like I'm moaning or blaming or whatever it's just not my environment it, it's not the environment that i work in 11 months of the year mm-hmm. um i so i went up there with all the hopes and you know i enjoyed my show and then after about two shows i hated my show didn't want to go out there every night. how many people we got in tonight 12 great like I, and so i don't want to like bash edinburgh too much i just i I love my job 11 months of the year and then one month of the year, just absolutely hate it. So does
0: that uh, mean you're, you're, are you done with it then? Will you, will you go back and do it on the show in the, in the near future or are you leaving it? For
2: well, <clears throat> I certainly wasn't going this year. I don't know if Edinburgh is going to happen. Um, but um, I, I, as soon as I said to my agent, I wasn't going, I, I started writing again. I, I like a whole weight lifted off my shoulders. Interesting. Um, but, Uh, And mainly because I'm getting, well, I'm I'm meant to be getting married in July, and I wasn't going to let Edinburgh ruin my wedding. And Mm -hmm. that's how much I can't stand the bloody (laughs) place. I love the actual place. I love Edinburgh, the city. um, But the fringe, I I literally, the thought of doing the fringe a month after my wedding would have ruined my wedding. That's how much I can't stand it out there. So, but in the back of my mind, I know that I have to have to do another show. Mm -hmm. So.
0: Why do you have to?
2: Um, I think my agent would like me to, Uh, you know, what he, I do go on his advice and he knows exactly what he's doing. Um, I feel that industry are lazy and that's the only place they go and watch people.
0: And when you say industry you mean as in T V industry.
2: Bookers and things like that. If yeah. if by if by like next year I don't if I've established myself enough mm-hmm. absolutely never again. <laughs> <laughs> so when you- if I was in a position that if I but I I again I'm a business person, if it means that I have to go in order to get more profile. I'm going. Go. yeah, yeah. And I hate sense. it, and I'll eat shit for a month. Yeah. But um, if I've grown my profile enough to not ever go again, then I'll be a very happy lady.
0: So I take it you were when you were there, you weren't going out on the piss in the evenings. Nah. No. No. Nah, no. You just well, you do your show nights. then. So what for the most part you do your show then you just chill at home. Where are you yeah, staying? I just
2: sat at home and watched Madeleine McCann documentary uh, for most of the month, which is even more depressing because um, I, ne- I just wanted to know what happened in the end. You know. Did you find out? Uh, no, it's hidden. Still don't know. <laughs> hey, knows? No one so, well, knows. It's,
1: just,
2: it's like making a murder all over again. Yeah. Um, I just yeah, I just watched a documentary series and wallowed in my own self pity for a month. and Yeah. Uh, yeah. My, did my I can training. relate. Yeah, I mean, For some people it's amazing, and good luck to him. You know, I think I think there are certain style as comedian that works really well up there, the theatre style. Whether those comedians work in, you know, a working men's club in Mark and Drayton is is another story. But
0: yeah, know. there's. I mean, like uh, so, I can't remember where I was reading it, or even if I was talking to someone about it. Like, there's two different types of comedians. You've got like more club comedians who but what you're saying isn't necessarily a club you know where where the venues are talking about but you have certain comedians that are suited to that maybe a a, a specific type of audience that would do well in clubs and those audiences might not necessarily go to edinburgh and you have some comedians who will just be working towards edinburgh every year and being on let's call it an, an alternative circuit with the aim that that edinburgh show is what ends up opening doors and creating opportunities for for other things in their career
2: yeah for sure and uh, and th- both of those styles as comedian have complete worth within themselves like both of them do mm-hmm. um you know um some people will be touring theaters um you know and, and those comedians will take the show to edinburgh they'll do it great they'll take it around the country And that's what they're looking to do and that's great i mean Mm -hmm. i i would i would also love to tour but i think i would love to tour reverse reverse of that so i would like to tour after making establishing myself in an opposite way Mm -hmm. so i think there's different ways of doing that for sure Um,
0: yeah build up your own audience and fan base and then tour off the back of that
2: yeah i think i think the difference between the two comedians is either someone Someone that's pouring with something to say, and and then people are coming to them. They're coming to a show that's happening, mm-hmm. or people that are coming to a name. Does mm-hmm. that makes sense? But I mean, I'm neither of those things right now, you know, and I'm years away from being those things, um, and I'm realistic about that. Um, you know, but,
0: were you realistic um, from the off, or has it taken you a while to think, oh shit, this is going to be this is long haul?
2: Um. I think I think when I first started doing stand-up, I would never have thought that I would get signed to Curb in the speed that I did mm-hmm. and how quick I did. Um, but then when I got signed to Curb, um, and there was quite a few news articles like one of the top five comedians to look up for, blah, blah blah. Somehow I don't know how all that happened, but there was quite a bit of press and I got nominated for the Leicester Mercury's way too early. But there was quite a bit of thing about me, and I feel like now i'm gonna be like going be a star mate this is it <laughs> yeah and then i did that 500 seater and exit uh, christmas gig and realized it's gonna be a long slog <laughs> yeah
0: that's the thing like you can get like you can get something might happen a few things might happen you're like oh this is it i'm on my way but guaranteed there's something around the corner that's always going to bring you crashing down to reality yeah
2: and i think that's Which is the beauty good. of comedy yeah you, you need just, that like yeah you're you, you you're only as good as your last gig and um mm. like I think that that's something that I learned with Adam Hills actually, who's the nicest man. Um his audiences were very different to if I could choose the room, you mm. know. Um, and that that kind of uh, humbling of oh God, there are people out there that don't really understand me. And I just that I think the humbling nature of comedy is the best if you meet any anyone that's like doing really well in comedy, they're the nicest person, mm. and it's because they they really they know they get it they they've been there they understand it everyone has to go through the same process and they they know how hard it is to make people understand you and I think that is the the key to it is. Anything is funny. If you find it funny, then someone else will find it funny. But you need to show them why it's funny and how it's funny and what perspective that you're coming from. And that's that's something that I don't know how long it will get to. I mean, I'm starting to understand. That. I know that that's what I need to be doing. But I just I, it's just experience, time and time again, gig after gig, that will give you that talent yeah that 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 tool that that so that muscle um, yeah, yeah yeah definitely
0: and what's yeah. your approach to to writing where do you write from and like do you need uh is there a particular times times of the day that you're you find you most productive
2: um i usually think in my head a lot okay i like I like all the time I, I like constantly i'll be mopping or hoovering or or out doing the shopping and I'm always thinking it might be the same joke for a week but I'm always thinking 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 uh which is probably not great for my headspace because it is like a bit of noise the whole time or someone say something and I'll be like halfway through a conversation with them and look like I'm still listening but I'm just thinking
1: yeah
2: um but then to actually sit down and write I have to be in the right frame of mind I, I won't do it like I won't force myself to do it, so I won't go. Right every day at one o'clock, I sit down and do some writing. I'll just wake up that day and go, you know, you I'm that. in the mood for writing. Yeah. and then I write. Um, I sort of said about it earlier. It's it after after my debut. I did. I don't think I wrote any new material for about three months. Oh really? Because it it just got in my head and it yeah. it, it sucks my confidence and. And then, as soon as I said I wasn't going back, I was just it all came. And I find that I'd rather not write than try and force something out. Just, just, just leave it. It's, it's when and and because what happens is if, if I'm in the right frame of mind and I'm in the right mood, I could write a whole half an hour bit.
1: Yeah, you just flow.
2: You know, yeah, just just flow and go, and it all comes out. I always have my notebook on me. It's always in my handbag. I'm always, if it's something comes, I'll note it. But I'm, i if I'm not in the right frame of mind, then I just get more frustrated and more disappointed in myself that nothing's come in. Yeah. Why can't you think of anything funny? You're meant to be doing this. Why can't you know? That's not healthy. Yeah. Just one day, I just have this feeling. I'm like, I'm in the mood today. I've got it. Yeah. And then I write. I think that's. That's the way I do it. I mean, whether that's productive or not, I don't know. But well, it's working for you. Well, when I first started, I used to write every single day, and I look back through that. I've got all the notepads up there. But
1: I remember, I I remember you
0: posted. I remember a posted I can't remember what it was, but it was like of a whiteboard, and you had all all these like notes in there, and I was like, oh oh, shit, that's that's serious.
2: Yeah, because do you know why I had to do that? It's because I decided to do a half an hour uh, show at I think the first ever Hastings Fringe. Okay. Um, and I'd been going about a month.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but do you know what?
2: sometimes <laughs> don't you find, like
0: sometimes naivety is the best thing, even though it can be oh, yeah. a car crash. Like I did my <laughs> I did my debut Ed- Edinburgh three months in <laughs> to doing stand. I didn't <laughs> know. I had no idea. I didn't even realise that. Like, oh yeah, you're supposed to like. Build it up and do went You know the whole thing. I was just, but in the end, it did kind of work out eventually. So, if oh, I, I think
2: ignorance is bliss. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah.
2: My first show at the Hastings fringe was half an hour long, and it was called Taboo. <laughs> it was called Taboo, and it was all like. Oh God, it was all basically sex-based and it was all these poor old people from the Hastings Old Town just sitting there going, what the fuck is this? <laughs> but I'm glad, you know, I, I am glad that I did that. I, I, I think that you, it's almost like you just find your own rhythm because yeah, I exactly. used to do, I used to like militantly like write every day. I think that's because I didn't have a job and I I really, you know, I didn't have any security within this, and still I don't. I mean, obviously, I mean, I don't even know when I'm going to ever work again. But um,
0: do you? But that insecurity is that obviously is that particularly relevant to now with Corona, or even before? Do you always do you always have a feeling of like I don't know what's around the corner?
2: Um, I think there is a definite security with Curbs. Um, you know, I think being signed to them, they have a lot of gigs. They look after me they have always got my best interests at heart and I, mm. I love them to pieces. So there's always that security level there. But because I want to impress them so much, if I have a bad gig, not so much anymore, but when I first started out, I'd like not have that great a gig and be driving home going, they're going to drop me. They're going to drop me. They're going to drop me. Mm. And I think that they're not going to do that. I hope they wouldn't. But, um, that, that's, that's always there. It's like I'm, I, I do rely on being signed to them and I think that's that's definite reliance but now we're in Corona bless them they've still been like you know trying to get me bits and bobs and seeing what they can do but there's no security whatsoever um going forward so I think that that is I'm very fortunate to have the setup that I have prior to comedy and my my partner he's you know, he's going to be my cash cow for a while. I'm very lucky in comparison to other people, so I'm not going to sit here and moan. But it's 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 it's, it's not worrying. I don't think I'm worried. I'm just totally have no idea. I have no clue. Mm-hmm. There's no there's no certainty of anything of when it's going to all start again. And I mean, we are really the key people of like. Mass gatherings, you know, even if people go back to normal work, but you have to have social distancing. Um, yeah, be, it's very be, uncertain.
0: Yeah, you have to be playing in stadiums that allow for social distancing, so to be a quarter of the amount of people.
2: A <laughs> twenty thousand feet are with hundred people. In exactly.
0: It. Yeah. That yeah. <laughs> no, was great. It was like an intimate gig and just spread out over fifty thousand feet.
2: Sounds like my bloody
0: debut. <laughs> um, <laughs> empty room. Oh, yeah, tell me about it. Yeah, that was, yeah, my, uh, I'm just having flashbacks to my ever <laughs> Fringe debut. It was first two weeks we were above a pub and uh, it was at midnight and the only people coming in were just like pissed geezers from downstairs and they just have no idea it was a show and they just start shouting abuse at me. Um, <laughs> apart from that, it's pretty much empty room for two weeks. I just used it as a rehearsal. And then I moved into a ticketed venue and it was sort of like, I had a bit of a slicker show because I had two weeks worth of rehearsal above this empty <laughs> pub. Um, yeah. Yeah. War stories. War stories.
2: Sweet memories.
0: Yeah, exactly. <laughs> what was I going to say to you? I was going to say, I was just actually back to the writing thing. So you still use stuff mm-hmm. like the whiteboard and that kind of thing, or is it just more of a like casual, like you said, you've got ideas that just pop out and then you do it just write on your notepad.
2: If i wrote my notepad. I did... I use the whiteboards for my last fringe. Just, I'm quite. I have quite a visual memory. Okay. So I can remember things. Like I can remember how things look when they're written down.
1: Okay. So,
2: so that whiteboard thing helped me. Yeah. Um, because it's visual, different colours, quite big. And I only use the whiteboard purely because my notebook is too small and it gets too messy. Sure. Um. But there's some other apps that I tried on my laptop that were like mind mapping. Mm-hmm. So they were quite useful for building my show in terms of how, okay, so I've got this central theme, how does that come off? Um, uh, so I did find, I think, I can't remember if I've uninstalled them now, but um, yeah, I think I have. But there was, there, yeah, like mind mapping apps I found quite useful because then they're bubbles of you know ideas that you can shoot off of mm-hmm. but yeah for me it's all very visual okay. so yeah that's the best way for me
1: okay
0: and what's the uh end goal what's the dream
2: oh uh, to be honest with you i like if i'm being really serious dave just world domination and being a multi-millionaire that would be quite nice Boom. i
0: think big gotta think big <laughs>
2: Yeah, no, thinking big, just you know, absolute arena tours, stadiums, merch. Um you want I want to go down the to, sitcom. Uh yeah, no, let's be honest. Uh, no, um, i um I would like to go I've been developing a sitcom for about two years now. It's still in sort of it's a long process. So um, Is that with a broadcaster? Um with a production company. Okay. Um and we've been talking to broadcasters. They are just, yeah, we've been pitching and going back and forth with the idea. They really like the idea, but I think, especially now, we went to have a Skype call today, actually, but I think it's going to be tomorrow, Uh, everything's going to be post-corona. So we're having to rethink the world that that our characters are living in and things like that. so yeah, I'd love to get the sitcom off the ground. Uh, we've had quite a bit of interest, but it just isn't quite hitting the, the key things that they're looking for. Um, so we're just trying to sort of tweak it so it does. Mm-hmm. Um, so I would really like to get the sitcom off the ground because it's something. it was my original idea and my script. And I just, it's something that I've been working on for so long now that I'd really like to see do well. Mm-hmm. So I've been focusing on that and, and just to develop as a comedian like i I know that sounds really wanky but of course everyone i was joking before about world domination and all that stuff but of course when you're doing something you want to be the best at it and and that does then mean all of those things but i'm very realistic in the fact that like when i get there i want to give them what they deserve if that makes sense like Mm -hmm. like i don't want to just get there i don't want to just do it because that's why i'm very realistic on the years of that i have ahead of me of developing and becoming really good like when you work with someone like russell kane man oh my god Alan or adam like they just they have they're great at what they do but they have so many years behind them Mm. of anything that happens in the room they've got something they'll pounce on it they'll react um that stuff can't be learned overnight so I think I just, I, I want to be a really good comedian and I think I've got the bones for that, but I don't think I've got the experience yet. And I think that's, that's where I want it. I want to be, I want to be like people walking away, like Rob Beckett, someone went into labour in one of his shows from laughing early. Uh, <laughs> yes, yeah. Like it, that's people getting their money's worth. I don't want to yeah, just, yeah. I don't want to I don't want to trick people into thinking that I'm good
0: that's interesting
2: I just want to be good
0: yeah yeah that's a great way to put it okay and outside of comedy what do you do to relax and unwind
2: and I love being a little housewife I love doing a little I love it do I'm you? Very, I'm... yeah I yeah i love being at home luckily for me at the moment i mean everyone's going into lockdown this is just me yeah, yeah. <laughs> this is me minus gigs basically um, i love doing bits and bobs down the house i can't say that i'm a good cook my other half's a cook but um i like i like doing that like, sticking my washing on and i just yeah I, so I'm, i am just love being at home i really do
0: are you a binge watcher I,
2: I, um, no, nice, no, I don't ever really watch Shelley, just, you know. Do you not? I've do you not watch
0: Shelley?
2: I've got too many chores to do. <laughs> <What>? How many <laughs> chores could
0: you have to do?
1: <laughs>
2: no, I do really need We do, we do like a good, like, we do like a good series. I love crime. Oh, that's something that I really do like. It's crime. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Crime documentaries and crime podcasts.
0: Yeah. All the true crime stuff. Yeah.
2: True crime. Yeah. yeah that's there's loads of that. I, uh, yeah. True crime or good. But then those two hobbies match up my cleaning and true crime because I've always got a lot of bleach.
1: Okay.
2: And I know how to dispose of a body in many ways now. So you heard it here first.
0: Okay. Detectives in years to come might be listening back to this podcast (laughs) as evidence.
2: Yeah, this is going to be evidence on another crime podcast.
0: Yeah, exactly that. Meta. We're getting very meta now. Um, <laughs> all right. Well, I'm not going to keep you too long because I'm sure you've got plenty of chores to be getting on with. Um, I have,
2: and I, my other half just getting angry at me now because I've not done any hoovering today. I'm joking.
0: <laughs> I'm going to ask you uh, final question that I ask all guests on the podcast: is what does the idea of balance mean to you, or not?
2: The idea of balance is um not putting all your eggs in one basket. I think there's bigger things, there's more important things than your job. Um, and it, that's been shown recently. I think it just, it, at the end of the day, when you're old and you're not working anymore, what do you want to talk about? And I, And I think that balance is doing enough to have a good, happy life, but also taking time to appreciate the little things.
0: Great, love it. All right, lovely. What? Where can people find out about you on, uh, and follow you, social media and all that jazz?
2: Um, I am Kelly underscore Convey, um, like convey, um, but I'm not that posh. <laughs> um, and uh, it's KellyConvey um, for gig updates in say a years time or something. Two
0: thousand twenty two. Yeah, no, yeah. I'll be positive. I remain positive.
2: You're going uh, to be playing okay.
0: social distancing gigs very soon. Oh, don't! <laughs> or you know, worst case scenario, just do, do them via Zoom. Look, do you know what? Actually, if it's done via Zoom, if it's done via Zoom, you'll be able to hear the laughter. Surely, you'll be able to hear the laughter. At least you get to hear the laughter. But
1: how
2: many people would need to log in? Is it, how many people can you, you, you can can have on Zoom chat?
0: I had a Zoom chat the other day. There was about twenty five of us. Everyone was talking over each other. I had no idea what anyone was saying. But <laughs> yeah. It was, you know, it's, it's, it's doable. So you never know.
2: All right, I'll give it a go. Well, no, I won't give it a go. not give it a go. Place, <laughs> I'm just saying. Uh, it's
0: like the end of the tunnel. All right, lovely speaking to you.
2: And to you, my darling. Thank you so much. Thank and, you. Uh, I'll, I'll see you on the other side, man. I'll see you on the
0: other side, yeah. Yeah. <laughs>
2: Perfect.
0: So there we have it. Kelly Convey, And I think it's quite fitting. We're talking about being... Very professional, you know, taking a business-like approach to your career. That we conversed over Zoom, the business conferencing software thing that I have mentioned before. That I would have loved to invest it in prior to uh, my corona. Yeah, you got, you got to keep it light-hearted, and you, you got to keep it light-hearted. Uh, I hope, uh, hope, hope all of you are continuing to do well. I don't know if you were doing well. Before, but I'm assuming I'm assuming you're doing okay. I'm assuming you have found a way, hopefully, to survive in this new existence. It's all about structure. It's all about the routine. I said this before. That's well for me anyway. I've got like an hour by hour routine during the week. Got to go to bed early. Uh, weekend it goes to shit a little bit, but you know, got to got to enjoy myself. And my diet's gone right out the window. Been eating a lot of biscuits, a lot of chocolate, chocolate yogurts, coconut yogurts, all kinds of yogurts, a um, bit of vino, but I'm going to try now and get back on it. I need I need goals. I need something to look forward to as in like I need a sporting challenge, but it, like I don't want to book a, I don't want to book a triathlon now because I don't know if I'll be able to do it. So, but I need something like that just to like, yeah, okay, let's. Let's get really fit now. I mean, I've been been working out, but yeah, just sort of like at my own casual pace. I'm three seasons into Gamora. I think I've talked about Gamora before, but I'm absolutely loving that show. It's great. I said to myself, I think I said this on the last show, that I want to watch something uplifting and Gamora definitely isn't that, but it's just a great form of escapism. I watched Tiger King like every other person on the planet and I have to say, yeah, wasn't that into it? Yeah, it's great characters and some interesting story. but it's, Oh, God, it's so trashy. And the problem is with those kind of Netflix documentaries, you know, those sort of serialized shows, you know that you're never going to get satisfaction at the end. It's like making a murderer. You know that you're just, you're never going to get the, the, the ending that you want. Did Carol kill the husband and all this sort of stuff? Yeah, I came away from that thinking, no, this isn't the type of thing that I want to be watching right now. Also, I made myself a list of all the shows and films that I wanted to watch, and I've lost it. I mean, how the hell could I lose it? I'm in a flat here, but it's gone. It's literally like it's got a life of its own, It's got and it's just wandered off, and been spent a lot of time on this list, and now I'm lost. I'm lost. I don't know what to watch without my list. I need lists in front of me. I need structure. I need routine. Otherwise, it all goes to shit, uh, but... Luckily, work-wise, I've got a lot of stuff keeping me busy and writing scripts, which is good. Heard back from a broadcaster on a pilot script that I've written, and I've got some good notes on that. So I'm beavering away with that, which is really good, and developing a couple of others. I've got podcast episodes to edit, so... It's good to be busy for sure. And reading and reading and reading and reading. Reading is very good. Very good. Very 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 good. Doubling up between the old fashioned reading of a book and doing audible and walking and listening, which is uh which is a nice combo, isn't it? It's a nice combo. You can see that I you can see that it's obviously got to me now being isolated because I'm I'm conversing with you as if you are here, or just I'm talking at you. There's more, me just talking at you because you know, it's the first time I've, I've talked to to uh, heard my own voice for sort of three three weeks now. Obviously, that's not that's not true. Been Facetiming people. I came off that bloody app house party. That's oh, just too much, too much. Just, the notifications going off is very intrusive. Deleted that. Don't mind Facetime every now and then. Voice notes, though. Oh God, it's just. Uh, too. Did I talk about this last time? I can't remember if I did. I must be just repeat myself. See, that's that's how little is changing each week. That I'm recycling the same same dilemmas that I have. The small dilemmas that I'm having in my life during this period. Anyhow, I will leave it there. Uh, thank you for listening. Please do rate, review, subscribe. It does the world of good, and it makes it's it's great for me. It gives me it gives me a little boost if I see you've written some nice. Kind words about the podcast, then um, yeah, that sort of that says, sees me through for the next that that I could feast off that for a good few days. So just bear that in mind. Next time you hear me saying, "Oh, please rate, review, subscribe," and you think "Ah, fuck that!" Or you can actually know what if it makes Steve feel better, then I'm going to do it. Okay, I'm going to leave it there. I'm going to release a, a, a bonus episode in the next few days where I am chatting with Oli Carter. He's uh, really Uh, great life coach to talk about get tips for people on you know strategies they can put in place during this these strange times so look out for that very soon all right guys stay safe until the next one see you later bye balancing acts is now made in association with the comedy crowd who are a website and community that support independent comedy creators such as myself i have a Comedy Crowd Chort, which is a a two minute video, one of my characters on their website. They showcase the best new videos on Comedy Crowd TV, which is comedycrowdtv.com and across media platforms. So do go and check them out.
1: Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states.